everybody. This is Dan Lobby. And this is Mary Kay Cabot. And this is our post-draft uh, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We will wrap up the three days of the draft. And Mary Kay, I thought what we would do in honor of the draft is go on the clock. We'll do 10 minutes on day one, uh, about seven minutes on day two, and then five minutes on uh, today. We're recording this on Saturday night a few hours after the draft is over. So I have 10 minutes on my phone timer here, and I am going to start the clock now. On day one, the Browns selected Baker Mayfield at number one, Denzel Ward at number four. So let's start with Baker Mayfield. You just had a post that went up with Hugh Jackson talking about Baker Mayfield and the potential of him starting or not starting. Hugh Jackson is standing firm with Tyrod Taylor as a starting quarterback, but it does feel like that's very much for now, and for now means kind of in spring and heading into training camp. Yeah, and you know what? Um, My first reaction to the Baker Mayfield pick was, you know, I wasn't overly thrilled about it. I had watched some film on him, and I just get concerned about a six-foot-tall quarterback, and maybe it's because there aren't enough of them. There's just not a large sample size of six-foot-tall quarterbacks in the yeah. NFL, and the ones that are in the NFL are so extraordinary that you've got Russell Wilson and you've got Drew Brees, and they're just so off the charts amazing, and I think that it takes somebody that good to make it at this size in the NFL. But the NFL is also changing. The game is changing. The college game is trickling more up into the NFL. There are more RPOs and things like that going on. Uh, so I do think it's sort of the wave of the future in a way. Um, and then after I talked to an NF- another NFL coach from another team today, and he raved about Baker Mayfield and just, and he's, you know, he knew uh, that I was kind of lukewarm on it. And he yeah. just said, he was the number one quarterback on our board. We would have loved to have had him. He's got it. He's got the it factor. He's got a magnetism about him. He can play this game. He's got the arm. He's got the smarts. And he said, you are going to be amazed. I, I actually think uh, the, the person that I talked to was really, really disappointed that they didn't end <laughs> up with them uh, because he just went on and on and on about Baker Mayfield. And I, I actually felt better about the pick after that. There are people that just absolutely love Baker Mayfield, like the person you talked to. Yes. Um, and with good reason. You know, we've seen accuracy we've seen arm strength that you know he's got some mobility um some ability to move around in the pocket and make some spectacular throws a lot of people will be critical if you bring up height but listen john dorsey and hugh jackson both used the word outlier multiple times this weekend uh so you know they understand that it's it's hard to find guys who are under a certain height to be successful in the NFL, and they believe that Baker Mayfield is one of those few guys. Yeah, and, you know, the things that concerned me about Baker Mayfield were when I watched the, the film and I watched a bunch, a bunch of his games, uh, and the thing that concerned me a little bit is, uh, number one, it seemed like every single time I, I saw him, he was just standing in the shotgun with no pressure and that he had all the time in the world to throw, and it just didn't seem like he had, uh, you know, that great a caliber of defenses that he was going against. And I, I got a little concerned about that and also the fact that he runs a four eight ish in the forty and that's not you know that's not the four four point five five if you're gonna be running around that a Russell Wilson runs. Uh, but the more I watched him, the more I realized these are good things about him, that his arm is very strong. Mm-hmm. The ball comes out very fast. And in talking to guys like uh, Trent Dilfer and Chris Sims, Trent especially on this on this count. Uh, talked about what great eyes he has and what a great locator of the ball he is, that he can, uh, he has the vision and the instincts, that football it factor, uh, just to find the open man, not only just to find him, but to nail it with that throw and to get the ball right there with tremendous accuracy. Yeah. 
So if he can do those things, he'll be all right. Yeah, and that's why I think, too, the Russell Wilson thing is, you know, a lot of people like to make that comparison. But I do think they're different. You mentioned the athleticism. I mean, Russell Wilson tested off the charts. Um, You know, Baker Mayfield, he's not going to play like Russell Wilson and be successful. He's going to play like what we saw when he was at Oklahoma. He's going to be a pocket guy. He is going to move. He is going to move the pocket and move out of the pocket. But he's going to be doing it. You know, Russell Wilson makes a lot of magic happen. That's that's not really Baker Mayfield's game. You, you know, Deshaun Watson is a little more like Russell Wilson. Yes. Baker Mayfield is more of an accuracy, timing, deliver the ball. I mean, those things you were mentioning, that's the type of quarterback Baker Mayfield is. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing that he is going to have to learn, and that is, and Hugh Jackson talked about this today, he's going to have to learn to operate from under center. Now, you know, they, they can increase the amount of times that they're operating out of the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, at the NFL level, you're going to be in the shot. You're going to be under center, probably in in the neighborhood of, you know, thirty or forty percent of the time. Yeah. So unless they really change that to accommodate him, uh, he's going to have to get good at that, and he's going to have to get good at that in a hurry. And again, we have not seen him do that, and that's where sometimes the height comes in. So there are things that he's going to have to learn. And he's also going to have to, you know, hopefully he will be great at sensing that pressure. Uh, And we know that he has the mobility to step up and step away and get away and those kind of things. But, um, you know, the things that fans can get excited about, and we know not all the fans were thrilled about this uh, because a lot of them seem to have wanted Sam Darnold over him. Uh, But he does have a great quick release, great spin on the ball, a very, you know, it's a, an above average arm strength, but most of the time you're not throwing 60-yard yeah. passes anyways. Uh, but the fact that he is, again, a good locator, that he can put the ball where it needs to be is vitally important. You know, I'm curious. Um, obviously, it's going to be Todd Haley's offense. He's a guy that used Ben Roethlisberger in the shotgun a good amount. And, again, we're talking by NFL standards. Right. Uh, John Dorsey comes from Kansas City, where Alex Smith was in the shotgun a lot. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see – how they feel about that. Um, Here's a question I was thinking about, and we'll move on to Denzel Ward after this. If Baker Mayfield, kind of because of the John Dorsey ties and because this guy was the number one pick, if Baker Mayfield tops out as Alex Smith, is this a good pick? Well, you know, I I think you you want your number one overall, and and we don't even know if Alex Smith has topped out yet. That's true. Who knows what he's going to do in Washington? Right. So if he, you know, who knows? I mean, if, if he goes and wins some Super Bowls, I mean, I think that your number one overall pick really should be somebody who you expect is going to take you to a Super Bowl someday. Yeah. That's where the bar should be. And I know it doesn't happen with, with all the number one picks. It just doesn't. But that's the category that he has to be put into. You have to talk about him in the same breath that you talk about Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning and other players that were picked number one overall it's a it's a very high bar but that's where he's at yeah I I think it would be a little disappointing if that was where he topped out again maybe Alex Smith has more for us but you can also win with that guy too yeah we've seen that over and you can win without a guy like Alex Smith as your quarterback I think Baker Mayfield could end up being better but it'll be interesting to see yes Um, let's talk about Denzel Ward before we run out of time Um, the interesting things that stood out to me were when Elliot Wolf and Alonzo Highsmith spoke to us on Friday night and they were talking about the coverage that Ohio State plays and how important that was in scouting Denzel Ward and how difficult it is to scout cornerbacks yep. uh, because of the way they play in college. We don't think about that a lot. We think about alignment, quarterbacks, receivers. 
Well, apparently it's very difficult to scout cornerbacks, but it wasn't with Denzel Ward because Ohio State left him on an island a lot. Yes, and you know what? Again, I talked to another NFL coach today, been on the phone a lot over the last couple (laughs) days, and this guy loved Denzel Ward in this draft, absolutely Mm -hmm. loved him, and basically once again talked about how you can put him on the best receiver and not worry about that situation. Let him shut down, you know, the top guy, and he's going to have to do that eventually here. Now, will he do that right away? But, uh, you know, he's going to draw the Antonio Browns of the AFC North, and he's going to have to rise to that occasion. And, again, he's only 5'11", um, but he has shown the ability uh, to be that shutdown guy. So if if all goes as planned, he will be kind of the, what they lost in Joe Hayden. Yeah, he was probably my favorite pick, him or a guy we're going to talk about in the next segment. I mean, Denzel, I mean, pass rusher, obviously, I think you and I both liked Bradley Chubb. Right. But cornerback and pass rusher are getting really close when it comes to right. positional value and how it's viewed. And, and some people, I tweeted something about that, and I had people in my mentions saying, well, you know, cornerback is more important. And, well, I don't know. We'll see. But it's still an important position. It's right there. You know, quarterback, pass rusher, and cornerback. That's probably your order right now. Yes, and you know, not just any cornerback, but you're talking about your number one cornerback. And that is a premium position, like you said, right up there with, in in my book, I kind of go quarterback, pass rusher, then I would put uh, the first cornerback right after that, and then, and left tackle gets up, is right up there. Um, So, yes, this was, this was, a pick that I think surprised some people because a lot of people did want Bradley Chubb, and I think we, uh, some of us may have primed them for that too. I mean, we were talking him up for months and months, but, um, but I do think that, you know, if you, you find out in a hurry how much you need that number one cornerback when you don't have him. Yeah, and Greg Williams' scheme really calls for that guy that can lock down at corner, and yes. he he wants Greg Williams wants to leave his corners alone. And he wants to just scheme up a pass rush. That's what Greg Williams wants to do. And he just wasn't able to do that last year. So adding Denzel Ward is going to help in that area. Absolutely. And, again, I mean, you've got Emmanuel Ogba coming back. You've got Miles Garrett, who you expect to be healthy for 16 games this season. Um, Oh, all right, finished up. Oh. Go ahead. Got to get the pick (laughs) in, Mary Kay. Well, I am going to put seven minutes on the clock now as we talk about our day two guys. Uh, And I'm going to hit start on the clock now. So seven minutes to talk about Austin Corbett, who was at 33, Nick Chubb, who was at 35, and then Chad Thomas, who went in the third round. I believe it was 67. Uh, They traded down from 64 uh, and ended up taking Chad Thomas. So Nick Chubb, let's start there. Uh, Again, either him or Denzel Ward, probably my favorite pick. Hugh Jackson called him an AFC North running back. He has is coming off the knee injury from a few years ago. It was a serious knee injury, uh, but this is a guy that has a ton of talent and can be kind of a bell cow back someday. Yeah, he really can. You know what? If he never blew out the knee, and it was a bad knee injury, he tore three ligaments and dislocated his kneecap in 2015. Uh, if that hadn't happened uh, against great SEC competition, I think he was set to be right up there with a Saquon Barkley, maybe even better than Saquon Barkley. Huh. He's a special runner. I mean, he's got amazing stats. He was SEC Freshman of the Year, or he might have even been Defensive Player of the Year that year. No, he was SEC Freshman of the Year, and he had uh, 
over 1,500 yards as a freshman and 14 TDs. So he was on his way to being just an off-the-charts superstar when he suffered that knee injury in his second year. And it's been such a long, hard road back from that. But the grit and the determination that he showed in coming back from three torn knee ligaments and a dislocation is one of the reasons why the Browns have fallen in love with this guy. I mean, he had to persevere and go through grueling pain and rehab to get himself back on the field, and he brought himself back up to a 1,300-yard rusher again this year with 15 touchdowns. Yeah, he came back from the injury, and he put together an 1,100-yard season, a 1,300-yard season. He carried the ball 224 times and then 223 times. Uh, This is a guy that can be a workhorse. And you know, you're bringing him here. You've got Carlos Hyde in the mix. You've got Duke Johnson in the mix. We saw with Philadelphia, we've seen with New England over the years, there's plenty of room for three running backs. Oh, sometimes yeah. it goes game to game. You know, Maybe one week it'll be Carlos Hyde who has a big game. Maybe the next week Nick Chubb gets going. Maybe the next week Duke Johnson gets going. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having that many capable running backs in that room. No, I mean, it's the best way to keep them fresh and also to keep them healthy. And I have no problem whatsoever with having a couple of good backs and using them, you know, both of them, maybe then bring Duke in on third down. But to have two good power backs like this that can, you know, also run between the tackles but do whatever you need them to do, hit the holes fast and just be so explosive, they have that now in these two guys. And I think fans are really going to like and embrace Nick Chubb. Um, Austin Corbett, I don't have – I don't really have a criticism of the player. I I just, my only criticism is this was the first pick of the second round, and we're not sure where he's going to go yet. Uh, So, I mean, this could change between now and September. Uh, If he's your starting left tackle against Pittsburgh and he earned his way into that spot and beat out Sean Coleman, this was a really great pick. If he doesn't play for a few years, you know, I'd rather have a guy who's going to contribute on day one in this spot. You know, maybe five years from now, again, he's your starting left tackle for a long time and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and it looks like a great pick again. So for me, it's just a matter of we don't know what he is yet. That's the only concern I have with that pick. You know, we don't know what he is yet, but they probably know what he is. They probably do, and they're just not telling us. Right. Yet. So, you know, who knows? You know, right now they've got Sean Coleman getting sort of the first crack at left tackle. But maybe this guy is Joe Thomas's heir apparent. He's he wears start- 73. Yeah. He started <laughs> for four years at left tackle, now so did Joel Batonio, mm-hmm. but he started for four years at left tackle at Nevada after Joel Batonio did. And Hugh Jackson even mentioned today that, hey, we're going to get our five best offensive linemen on the field. Now, if that means moving Joel over to left tackle yeah. for a while until Austin is ready for that role, then so be it. But they're going to put their five best on the field. And if Sean Coleman isn't as good as Austin Corbett, then Austin's going to start. And if he can't cut it out there, he has the versatility to either play guard or even center down the road. Yeah, there's some options there, and I'm glad you brought up the Betonio thing because I, I feel like that's been lingering out mm-hmm. there for a little while. Yep. No one's really – I feel like today was the first time Hugh Jackson was willing to really entertain the idea. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, Joel Betonio said a couple – weeks. I think it was last week that we talked to him. He said they hadn't talked to him about it or anything. Right. I feel like he'd be open to it, but – I always feel like that's lingering since Joe retired, yes. moving Batonio out to the left side, kicking him out, and having somebody else play guard. Yeah, I remember when they drafted Joel Batonio, we all thought that he was the heir apparent to Joe Thomas. 
I remember vividly thinking uh, that that was going to someday be in the works. So who knows? Again, like you said, today was the very first time that anybody has even uttered that. So I don't know if that actually is going to be a possibility or if they're just not willing to you know, let on exactly what they're doing because, you know, Sean Coleman's working really hard to be that yeah. left tackle right now. So um, we'll have to see how this one plays out. But, again, you know, it's all about competition. Yeah. And, you know, I was trying to think about this because when, the, when they brought in J.C. Treader, um, I kind of did, did – I looked at Green Bay's line, and, you know, Treader had some injury issues, so they had to shuffle guys around, and it felt like Green Bay – that Green Bay philosophy a little bit is – versatility across the line and if you're one of the five best guys we're going to find a spot for you yeah well we know where dorsey's background is we know where alonzo highsmith comes from where elliot wolf comes from there's a lot of green bay in this organization yeah and you know what this was another one of those picks where shortly after they made this pick i got a text from yet another (laughs) nfl offensive coach that loved this pick and said, this guy is really, really good. So I think they had to take him. Sometimes, you know, we look at this and think, oh, you could have gotten him later. Well, most of the time they know that they can't, and that's why they take a guy where they take him. So I think people had their eye on him here. Uh, For me to get a text like that immediately after the pick from a very good football team that was eyeing him, I think you have to be careful. Yeah. You're, uh, we're going to set up a GoFundMe for your phone bill <laughs> this month. Yeah. Uh, so we got about literally like 25 seconds to talk about Chad Thomas, um, a guy that admittedly neither of us really knows a ton about, but sounds like he's a good run stopper. Uh, Andrew Barry called him very physical. He's a musician, uh, has produced for Rick Ross and worked with, with Rick Ross, so I'm excited to kind of meet him uh, next weekend when he comes in for rookie minicamp. Uh, an interesting guy and an interesting pick in the, uh, in the third round. Yeah, it was an interesting pick. Oh, I don't Look get to that. talk about the pick. But um, let me just say that some people thought that he would have been chosen a little bit later. Uh, so he's somebody that we're going to have to keep an eye on and uh, kind of see what they were thinking there. All right, so clock's out on day two. We're going to move on to day three. The pick's on day three. Antonio Callaway, uh, Jannard Avery, Damian Ratley, and Simeon Thomas. We're only going to spend five minutes on the picks today, and unfortunately for all the good we've talked about in the the 15 minutes leading up to this, we do have to start uh, with the risky pick of Callaway. We've seen John Dorsey do this before, and it's worked. Taking a guy with some character issues, uh, brought him in. You know, Callaway's got a long list of things that that you can be concerned about, but the talent is certainly there. And what John Dorsey is counting on is that there's enough structure here, and he's counting on his coaching staff, his leadership in the locker room, the people in this organization, the player engagement folks, all of them, to make sure that Callaway stays on the straight and narrow and and puts all that stuff behind him. Yeah, and you know what? I think that uh, what they're trying to say is, that they're willing to take a chance on a guy that they can rehab. I think John Dorsey uh, and Hugh Jackson and all these guys, they evaluate a guy for what they think is in his heart and soul. Are you really, somewhere deep down inside, a good human being? And if we think that you're a good human being, we're going to try to bring you here and sort of rehab you within the structure of this football team. We don't know what happened uh, in the incident that he had, but what we do know right now is that he was not convicted of anything and that it was dropped. He was cleared of any wrongdoing so until more would come out with that I think we have to proceed as though he's innocent on that I mean we don't know so who are we to convict him in the court of public opinion when nobody else has convicted him on that yet 
Yeah, you kind of have to tread carefully both ways. You, you do. Know, when you talk about this stuff. It, it kind of goes back to when Jameis Winston was coming out. I mean, every, it, it's just a really uncomfortable situation because all the details get blurred. Right. Uh, you know, the situation in Florida, you know, they had a booster who right. was, in, was leading that Title IX hearing. Um, so that's one of those things where you kind of look at a little cockeyed. But, again, we don't know. And the fact of the matter is he's on this football team now. And John Dorsey believes that they can rehab him. And, you know, at this point, all you can really do is just move forward and, and see what, you know, see what he becomes as a player and see if this stuff does end up in his past. Well, there was a similar situation last year with Caleb Brantley. Mm-hmm. And I think we were all very, very quick, uh, not, not us, I'm not saying you and I, but I think in general everyone thought, how could you put a guy like this on your football team? Well, within the next few weeks, he was cleared of any wrongdoing. And, you know, the same thing could be going on here with Antonio Callaway. Now, we don't know. I don't know if any other charges will be brought against him at some point, if if the accuser will, you know, revive this in some way or appeal or whatever the case may be. Uh, but for right now, uh, you know, he has not been convicted of everything. He's been cleared of wrongdoing. And I think the Browns see this as an opportunity to bring what John Dorsey said was this first or second best receiver onto the football team with some character issues that they feel like they can help this guy get his life turned around. Yeah, and I, b- I believe he is still um, on voluntary probation for the uh, credit card incident. Um, so, you know, that that's still out there. Yeah. But, um, you know, the, the only question I always have when, people, when teams make picks like this yeah. is why did you need that guy? You know, why were you so desperate to bring that player in? You know, I think it puts a lot of pressure on that player because you've got to come in and live up to. Right. Even though he's a fourth round pick, you know, yeah. like Tyree Kill came in and was one of the best players on the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, and obviously that doesn't absolve him of what happened, but that's the kind of expectation you have to live up to. And when you pick a guy like this, I, I just there better be a good reason that, that you want to pick that guy. Well, I think the reason is that they think he would have been a first round talent. Yeah if not for these issues. He sat out of football all of last year, and I think they see that in him. I, see they, I think they see some tremendous talent in a, in a person who is worth saving. And Hugh Jackson has experience with guys like this. And so the Cincinnati Bengals are kind of known for, in my mind, when I think the Bengals, they're always giving guys second chances like this. And I think that, um, you know, there, there's just two ways to look at it. One way you can say, you know, why would you bring guys like this onto a, onto a football team? The other way is give credit to maybe the Haslam's or John Dorsey or Hugh Jackson for being willing to maybe save a life and turn somebody's life around to do some some good not only on your team but in the community and things like that. I mean, look at Josh Gordon. They gave him chance yeah. after chance after chance. And if he can stay clean and sober, I mean, he could go on to have an amazing career in life. All right, we have left ourselves with 20 seconds. Oh, my. Jannard uh, Avery uh, sounded like an interesting guy in our conference call. Yes. Pro Football Focus loves him. You found that stat uh, after he got picked. Damian Ratley, uh, a guy not a lot of production, kind of picked on his testing. Simeon Thomas had some off-field issues, too, their final pick. But, again, a guy who's really big for a corner or a defensive back. We don't know what he's going to end up being, safety or corner. They say corner for now. Right. Uh, very big, very athletic, again, He's, he's actually, what, 24, I believe? Yes. So he's a little bit older. Again, that goes back to some of those, those off-field issues and some NCAA stuff. Um, but, you know, in, interesting picks in those last two, kind of banking on, athlete, on 
and Ratley and Thomas kind of banking on athleticism. You can take chances in the sixth round on a guy like Simeon Thomas, who once again, I'm sure that they must see something in him as a person to think that maybe he can overcome his off-the-field issues and he's worth taking a risk in the sixth round. By the time you get to the sixth round, you're either going to find, uh, you know, mediocre athletes or you're going to find people that are good athletes that have some baggage to go along with it and I think that they're banking on the fact that they can bring him in and show him something in in a structured environment as well and the stakes are incredibly low too when you pick those guys so not a ton of guaranteed money um, if any for some of these guys so um, the the stakes are very low All right. well that will do it for our post-draft Orange and Brown Talk podcast Mary Kay is telling me she has one more thing to say I think we should give our grades oh yeah of course our grades Great. So we just did a video of this. Um, I'm going to go with a B minus. Um, Baker wasn't really the quarterback I wanted, uh, but again, I wanted them to take a quarterback at one, and so they did. Uh, like Denzel Ward, like Chubb, I talked about Corbett today. Saturdays we're recording this. I wasn't super impressed, so I'm going to give him a B minus. I'm going with a, a good solid B because, like I said, I've talked to several people just even today uh, that have completely. Uh, sold me on especially the the first round of this draft and have just raved raved about those two picks and so I'm actually feeling a little bit better about uh, you know again about Baker and some of the things that he'll be able to do I really like Nick Chubb really really like that pick Uh, so I'm giving him a B all right so all positive here and the best news the Carson Wentz trade is done it's over. It got dragged out for one extra day when they traded down, but it is done. We'll have to do a separate podcast on that at yes. some point because we have we a full returns uh, on that trade now. Yep, and I, I love doing the uh, from whence they came post to show <laughs> you know who came from that. And you know a couple more guys dropped off the list this year in Deshaun Kaiser and, and Cody Kessler, so there's not a ton of guys left. Yeah, it's um, there, there was a tweet that went out with the list today, and it is sort of... It's a little little depressing, I think, for, uh, for some Browns fans. But uh, that's okay. That'll do it for this edition of our Orange and, Browns, Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks for listening.